It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by our dudes at Bet Online. That's the online gaming website of choice for the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Because they've got the best odds, they get the fastest payouts. Just use the code BIGFEAST over at betonline.ag. Can you feel that? The MFL draft is coming. It's coming. The next and final three contestants for the late June MFL draft. We'll have another one in July. Don't worry. You can still be a part of it. And by the way, those of you that entered for the June one, you're automatically re-entered for the July, but I'm not going to lie. If you send another sponsor confirmation email, that would really be a huge feather in your cap to getting into the July league if you didn't get in the June league. So it's like anything else. I mean, the people that show that they want to be in it the most are the ones that end up going ahead and, and, and getting the nod. Like Phil Murphy, Jarrett Sparks, and TJ Nobrega. Uh, Jared Sparks, or Phil Murphy was an Omaha Stakes. TJ Nobrega was an Omaha Stakes. You guys are Omaha Stakes freaks. And how about Jared Sparks? He was Amazon and he was 1 800 Flowers. So congratulations, dudes. You guys are in. I will get you the details for the June MFL draft. Everybody else, let's get it going. You can already get involved for the July draft for the MFL draft against Evan and myself. Just the best ball draft. You don't have to worry about during the league. You just do the draft, and then you see how the results week in and week out. Let's see what you got. You think you can beat Evan and I? I don't think so, my friend. Speaking of Evan, I should probably properly introduce you, Evan. He is the greatest fantasy football player of all time. I know you'll say, no, I'm not, Ross, but I don't care. You are, or at least you're the best fantasy football analyst. And you can check him out on Twitter like I do, at Evan Silva. I'm just a former NFL offensive lineman that loves not only fantasy football, but I like fantasy football analysis. I just think fantasy football dudes... Go deeper. They they put more time in. And it shows. At Evan Silva. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram. If you're a Facebook person, it's Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Very, very fired up, Evan, for today's show because we're getting into some sleepers and undervalued guys. You know, people are starting to have rankings. We'll of course have the world famous Tears of Evan. In August, also a huge announcement that we're going to start to do two shows a week a little earlier this year. Usually we start the first week of the season. Guess what? We're starting a month from now. Mid-July, once training camps get going, you will have two Fantasy Feast podcasts a week, which is incredible. Very, very much looking forward to getting you guys involved in that one should be awesome. Or involved in both of them, I should say, and those of you that want to be in the league. Anyway, Evan, let's get to your sleepers and undervalued guys because I think that this is 
This is a very valuable episode. Next meal. Next meal. All right, so I guess the first question, Evan, is there a difference in your mind between sleepers and undervalued? What? How do you separate those two? Yeah, absolutely. An undervalued guy is a, a player that I think is not being drafted as early as he should be. And I know some people think it's ridiculous that people are, are drafting this time of year, but actually a lot of the best players in the world are drafting uh, this time of year, whether it be – uh, best ball or on on, on uh, FFPC um, high stakes leagues. Um, so the, the really the the best fantasy football players in the world tend to draft a lot more in terms of volume, and they tend to start a lot earlier than just the average fantasy football player. So we do have good ADP data, uh, and we can tell who is being draft, who we think you know based on our projections, based on our expectations for the season who we believe is being drafted too late. A sleeper is a guy that maybe people have not heard of uh, as much. And there will be some of those guys on this list. Uh, there will be some undervalued guys on this list. This list is made up of really only the teams that I've already done team previews on on Roto World. So hopefully we'll get a, a chance to do like a part two to undervalued slash sleepers uh, but this right now is limited to uh, the first 10 or 11 teams that I've done team previews on uh, at rotoworld.com. You can read those at rotoworld.com. Um, but, you know, this is not like my full list of undervalued players and sleepers. It'll be a lot longer. We got about 15 guys on this list. All right, let's start with Cardinals tight end Ricky Seals Jones. Yeah, so Ricky Seals Jones converted from wide receiver at Texas A&M to tight end as a rookie with the Cardinals. And he got on the field right away. He wasn't playing a lot. You know, Jermaine Gresham was like, they were using Jermaine Gresham as an every down tight end. Um, Ricky Seals Jones only ran 70 routes on the season, uh, but he turned that into a, a 12 catches for 201 yards and three touchdowns, averaged almost 17 yards per reception. Uh, showed the ability to run down the seam uh, and play in the middle of the field. 41% of his targets came in the slot now Jermaine Gresham tore his Achilles in week 17 it'd be a shock if he was ready for week one I think he probably starts the season on reserve PUP Cardinals have been already preparing as if Ricky Seals Jones is going to be uh, their main tight end this year and as a big uh you know big interior playmaker on a team quarterbacked by a, a passer in Sam Bradford at least to begin the season who has historically relied on, relied especially heavily on receivers in the middle of the field, whether it be Danny Amendola in St. Louis, whether it be um, Zach Ertz and Jordan Matthews, a slot receiver uh, in Philadelphia. Stefan Diggs was a slot receiver in his big year when Sam Bradford set the, the NFL record for completion rate. Ricky Seals-Jones and Larry Fitzgerald are going to be the players in the middle of the field for the Cardinals, and I think that they have Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald is going to soak up targets, but Ricky Seals-Jones has a chance to soak up more targets than people expect. This guy's a sleeper because a lot of people haven't heard of him. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have like a long track record, but I do think it was impressive that he was able to earn playing time as an undrafted rookie, and his cost is very cheap right now. He's the last of the tight ends that I, I really want to get my hands on 
um, in terms of like back-end tight end twos that have upside in drafts right now. What about, uh, if we keep it moving, Devontae Booker from the Broncos? Yeah, not as much of a sleeper, more of an undervalued player. Uh, he Right now he's at very worst the favorite for number two running back work over D'Angelo Henderson behind Royce Freeman. The Broncos want Royce Freeman to be their guy. Um, but, you know, that doesn't always happen for rookie backs. And Royce Freeman was not necessarily a very high draft pick. He was drafted at 71st overall. They The Broncos did make an investment to him, but not so much of an investment that he's going to be handed anything. If you start to read the beat writers lately in Denver, they're listing Devontae Booker as the starter entering training camp. He has a lot more versatility. Um, his career yards per carry average has been really poor. 3.61, um, but he has averaged almost nine yards per reception. He's easily the best pass blocking back on the team. Royce Freeman, you know, comes from that Oregon spread. Is he even going to have any idea how to pass block and, and make himself and earn playing time for himself in that way uh, as a rookie? I mean, that's, that's far, far, far from a lock. Um, so I think that at worst, Devontae Booker is the favorite for receptions and perhaps even overall snaps in the Broncos' backfield. He's one of my favorite late-round flyers. You can get him every time in the 11th round. If he doesn't work out, you know, I mean, I think I still think the worst-case scenario, there really isn't a scenario where he doesn't work out because he's going to be playing in the passing game. Uh, Mike Clay, one of the best um, statistical projectors, uh, recently projected Devontae Booker to finish top 20 among running backs and catches. So he has a floor, and if he plays better in his third NFL season than he did, if he runs better in his third NFL season than he did in his first two years, I think that he can be a, a, a mild breakout candidate in Denver at a very, very cheap cost. How about Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan? That's a good sleeper you got there, Evan. <laughs> well, he's undervalued because people are very consumed by what they just saw. You know, I mean, and it, it happened last year because Matt Ryan was, you know, one of the first six quarterbacks off the board after his monster season in 2016. And now he's like the quarterback 15 off the board. Um, you know, people are always just trying to play whack-a-mole um, and, you know, they're not, they're, they're not like looking at things from a zoom out forecast perspective. They look at things from what just happened perspective. And so Matt Ryan has been rendered a, an excellent value this year. If you go back and look at what, what led up to Matt Ryan's MVP season in 2016, um, the team, the team before that in 2015, it was the first year of Kyle Shanahan. They really struggled in the red zone. Um, you know, it just took a year for the offense to adjust. The Falcons' offense wasn't bad last year. They finished third in the NFL in yards per play, third in the NFL in yards per drive, but their scoring fell from first in the NFL to 15th. So they were mediocre in terms of scoring. They moved the ball. They struggled in the red zone just like they did in the first year under Kyle Shanahan, um, I think that they will, you know, do I think that Steve Sarkeesian is as good as Kyle Shanahan? Absolutely not. 
but I think that this offense is bound for positive touchdown regression. You look at the career touchdown rate of Matt Ryan, if he just would have thrown to his career touchdown rate last year, he would have thrown almost five more touchdown passes. And we know that touchdowns, you know, at the quarterback at every position in fantasy, they are the biggest drivers of fantasy production. Um, so if Matt Ryan can just get back toward his career touchdown rate, he can have a much more productive box score season this year. And he's one of my favorite buys among the quarterbacks. So you could get him at quarterback 15 this year. Nothing really changed except for a year past, you know, and last year he was the quarterback six. I mean, I think that he's a really good value. I would agree with that for sure. How about Ravens running back Alex Collins, who I know you're high on. I did a couple Ravens games last year. I thought he was really impressive. I agree, man. I, 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 he was a guy that, you know, looking, going back and looking at his numbers inspired me to want to go back and watch all his touches, and I did, and I, I came away really impressed with Alex Collins. Um, he showed by far the best running ability in Baltimore's backfield last year after getting no offseason with the team. He was cut by the Seahawks uh, toward final cuts. Uh, the, the Ravens put him on their practice squad, and he didn't even sign until uh, to the 53 until after week one. He was immediately very efficient. And in week eight, the Ravens committed to him as their feature back. That was that Thursday night game against the Dolphins where Joe Flacco had that terrible concussion. Um, but Alex Collins took over in that game and did not look back. 19.2 touches per game from week eight onward. And uh, with Alex Collins as the, their offensive focal point, uh, from t- week 10 onward, the Ravens finished 5-2, and two, almost got in the playoffs if not for that uh, Tyler Boyd 49-yard touchdown in week 17. They, they would have. Um, you know, so the, the Bills got in instead. But Alex Collins was you know, one of the biggest drivers of their – late season success and I don't think that they're going to forget that now they are they are bringing back Kenneth Dixon and Buck Allen uh Buck Allen earned like situational playing time last year uh and I think that he will compete for that situational playing time with Kenneth Dixon Kenneth Dixon is just a total unknown you know got hit with two suspensions last year missed the season with a torn meniscus uh so we don't really know where he's going to be from a health standpoint um but I, I think that he will be a player to monitor in training camp. But I think that Alex Collins, right around that fourth, fifth round turn, I like taking him. Uh, the Ravens will be getting back Marshall Yanda, and they'll be getting back Alex Lewis, the, the entire right side of their offensive line, coming back healthy. I think that Alex Collins can score a lot of touchdowns on a team that has a really good defense and is going to want to run the ball. Uh, they didn't run the ball in 2015 and 2016. Last year, they finished seventh in the NFL in pass attempts. And I think that if Lamar Jackson uh, gets under center, they'll go even more run heavy, and they can be really dynamic in the running game. You know, their their uh, offensive, their assistant head coach offense uh, has seen the effects of uh, a, a dual threat quarterback twice: Greg Roman with Kyle, with Colin Kaepernick and uh, Tyrod Taylor. And uh, you know their OC Marty Morningweg has also seen the effects of a dual threat quarterback, of course, with Michael Vick uh, in Philadelphia. It can really, really help your your running game. 
What about Bears rookie wide receiver Anthony Miller, Evan? You got a rookie on the list. Yeah, the the Bears loved Anthony Miller, uh, and it shows up in their actions. They traded the number 105 pick in this year's draft and next year's second rounder, which could be a high second round pick if you look at you know the Vegas win total for the Bears. I mean, that could end up being a top 40 pick. They traded those picks to the Patriots to be able to take Anthony Miller at number 51. Uh, they're going to play him in the slot between Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel. Uh, I remember Greg Cosell before the draft actually compared Anthony Miller, said, said that he reminded him a little bit of Antonio Brown. I thought that he was more in the Sterling Shepard range, but I'll take the Antonio Brown comparison because I really like Anthony Miller. was an otherworldly producer his final two seasons at Memphis. Um, he played a lot inside there and he won with short area quickness and I thought that that showed up uh, at his pro day with a six six five three cone time which is just incredible uh, and he's got huge hands almost eleven inch hands catches everything we haven't seen Allen Robinson play well since 2015 Taylor Gabriel's never been a high volume receiver so I think that Anthony Miller is like a, a deep sleeper to lead the Bears in targets as a rookie. I think that the way he plays lends itself to a quarterback having comfort throwing the ball to him because he gets open and he runs high-percentage routes. And if you look at Mitchell Trubisky's go-to guys the past two seasons at UNC and with the Bears, both slot receivers, Kendall Wright, Ryan Switzer, his next slot receiver is Anthony Miller. Packers, speaking of slot receiver, wide receiver Randall Cobb's on your list. Packers decided to keep Randall Cobb. Uh, cutting him would have cost $9.5 million under the cap. Uh, so they chose between Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, and they chose to cut Jordy Nelson and keep Randall Cobb. Now, Randall Cobb has been around for almost a decade, but he's only 28 years old this season. Um, last year was actually quietly his healthiest season in years, but his counting stats were – torpedoed by Brett Hundley being under center. Um, if you go back and look at the games where Aaron Rodgers played fully versus the games where uh, Brett Hundley played most of the game, you know, the, the stats drop off dramatically. I mean, with Aaron Rodgers in there, Randall Cobb averaged over 60 yards per game, which would have put him on about a thousand yard course. Um, and I was looking at uh, Next Gen Stats. They, they have some great stats on uh, at really every position, uh, but like really advanced metrics that you, know, you won't see at a lot of other websites. Uh, they grade or they don't grade, uh, but they use uh, actual like actual data from on the field uh, to give us statistics that other websites can't provide. Randall Cobb was number two in the NFL among wide receivers in average yards of separation at target, averaged almost four yards of separation whenever he was targeted. So he still showed the ability to get open. He was productive with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is coming back. There's a little bit more opportunity with Jordy Nelson gone out of Green Bay. Um, I think he's a value pick in the middle rounds. He's, you know, he's, he's failed us before. He's definitely been a disappointment, but I think that at his cost, that risk is lowered. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely willing to take him in the middle rounds of drafts with Aaron Rodgers coming back healthy. 
Bengals running back Giovanni Bernard. I mean, there's been times where I feel like Giovanni was like left for dead, and now he's he's kind of back. It's interesting. Yeah, um, he he and he was left for dead in the first eleven games of last season. He saw fewer than ten touches in all of those eleven games, and then he took on a much bigger. So Joe Mixon got concussed. And Giovanni Bernard took on a much bigger role in weeks 13 through 17 last year, and he was good. Uh, he started two of those games, but over those, uh, over that week 13 to week 17 stretch, he averaged 20.6 touches per game, over 100 total yards per game, scored a couple of touchdowns. Uh, he was much more efficient than Joe Mixon in both the run and pass games. Joe Mixon only averaged 3.5 yards per carry, 41% success rate as a rusher. That was 37th among 47 qualified backs at, at uh, Football Outsiders. Um, and his game speed, uh, according to Next Gen Stats and J- Josh Hermsmeyer, we've had on the show a couple of times, Joe Mixon's game speed was really, really disappointing. Well below average among running backs was not playing fast as a rookie, decided to shed some weight this offseason. That's probably a good thing for him. But you know the way that Giovanni Bernard closed out last season – I think he earned more playing time in 2018. I think that theoretically, based on their performance and what the team has invested into them, I think that this should open the season being a 50-50 split. They should they should make this a wide-open competition and just whoever plays better ends up get, being the, you know on the 70 side uh, versus 30 for the other guy. And I think that Giovanni Bernard has earned that opportunity – and he goes so late in the drafts. I mean, you can get him 12th, 13th round this time of year. Bears tight end Trey Burton. I mean, he's definitely not a sleeper after the money he got. So I guess you feel like he's still undervalued based on his ADP. Well, he was a sleeper, was it two years ago when, when you were you were banging the drum for everybody to use him in a spot start. He And he's crushed it pretty much every time that he got – a spot start in, in place of Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. Uh, he got four of them. He had five catches for 49 yards and a touchdown in one, only two for 19 in the next one. But then he had two catches for 41 yards and a touchdown in the third and five catches for 71 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth. So 75% hit rate there. Um, you know, Trey Burton does not have a long track record of production. You go back and look at his, his college resume, he only scored four receiving touchdowns at Florida, but he was a converted quarterback and still learning uh, how to be a receiver slash H-back slash tight end. And then he had to sit behind Zach Ertz. So he only had 63 receptions in four seasons in the NFL and only scored four receiving touchdowns in four years at Florida. Um, in Josh Hermsmeyer's game speed research, uh, Trey Burton scored really well above average. Uh, he's he's fast for a tight end, uh, and he got faster going from 2016 through 2017. His game speed was faster last year. Uh, he ran over half of his 2017 routes in the slot, 52.1%. Uh, and I think that he may even run more slot this year under Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich. They have spread offense backgrounds um, and – And uh, last year, Travis Kelsey set a career high under Matt Nagy in terms of slot routes run. Um, 
And I think that it, when the, the when the Bears ha, like are playing in their four receiver sets, it'll be Anthony Miller and Trey Burton as their interior receivers, and Taylor Gabriel and Allen Robinson on the outside. Um, and one other thing I noted while uh, editing Warren Sharp's uh, football preview is that Mitchell Trubisky posted 105 passer rating on throws to the middle of the field as a rookie. His rating on throws outside the numbers was far worse, 71. That's a huge gap, 105 passer rating to throws in the middle of the field, 71 passer rating on throws to the outside. Trey Burton drew 62% of his targets in the middle of the field over the past two years in Philadelphia. So I think that these interior receivers, Trey Burton and Anthony Miller, they suit Mitchell Trubisky's skill set, and they suit the offense that Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich are trying to build. Next up, Broncos receiver Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders' season last year was pretty disappointing. Uh, It it started with quarterback play. Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch just didn't get it done. Uh, And then Emmanuel Sanders suffered a high right ankle sprain in week six and was not the same again. Uh, I mean, if, if you go back and watch Emmanuel Sanders, he was hobbling around the field. There were games where he you know, couldn't make it through the whole game. He aggravated the injury in week 15, didn't play in week 16 or week 17. Uh, he did not require postseason surgery. He's healthy again. He's, you know, he was a full participant at uh, OTAs and minicamp. Uh, you go back and look at the receiver. So the Broncos, of course, they have a new quarterback in Case Keenum. Case Keenum's favorite receiver in Minnesota was Adam Thielen, who ran over half of his routes in the slot, and he was targeted by Case Keenum on 25% of those slot routes, which was the highest rate in the league. I think that if you look at the construction of the Broncos' receiver core right now, it's going to be mostly Demarius Thomas on the outside, and then Emmanuel Sanders starting opposite him in two receiver sets, and then when they go three wide, I think it'll be Cortland Sutton on the outside opposite Demarius Thomas, pushing Emmanuel Sanders to slot receiver. And I think that that is a really good match for Case Keenum after we saw what he did with Adam Thielen uh, in Minnesota. I think that, you know, and Emmanuel Sanders, you look at his ADP in comparison to Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas usually goes fifth, sixth round. Emmanuel Sanders usually goes eighth, ninth round. I think that Emmanuel Sanders can outscore Demarius Thomas this year. Let's get to some Packers running backs. Uh, McCarthy's been pretty clear. It's a running back by committee. I know that scares a lot of people. Last year, it's like they rotated between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. What do you got with that group? Yeah, both guys had good rookie seasons, but they were good in different ways. Uh Jamal Williams had a good rookie season through reliability and just showing the ability to be a workhorse. Uh, Zero fumbles. He was the top-graded pass blocker, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, among the Packers running backs coming out of BYU. That was one of Jamal Williams' strengths as well, was pass blocking. Um, And he averaged 20.5 touches per game over the final eight weeks of last season. He was the number eight overall fantasy running back in PPR leagues, During that span, he also ranked, although he had a low yards per carry average, he only averaged 3.6 yards per carry, he was 14th among 47 qualified backs in Football Outsiders' rushing success rate. So 
while he wasn't breaking long runs to spike his yards per carry average, he was getting the yards needed on on a a specific down-to-down basis, and that's notable. That's something that coaches especially, I think, will care about, whereas you know, a lot of us just look at yards per carry average like, oh, that's the end-all, be-all. Those are spiked by long runs. But Jamal Williams was a quietly efficient and productive runner despite um, his lower yards per carry average, average almost two yards per carry less than Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones averaged five and a half yards per carry. Uh, and his game speed, according to Josh Her- Hermsmeyer and Next Gen Stats, vastly superior to both Jamal Williams and, and Ty Montgomery. Um, but Jones battled a recurring MCL injury, you know, couldn't shake that, that knee problem, struggled as a blocker and as a receiver. Uh, and I, look, I think that Aaron Jones ceiling is higher. And I actually liked Aaron Jones coming out of college better than Jamal Williams. But I think that Jamal Williams attributes his pass blocking ability, his ability to handle big, big workloads. He was good as a receiver. You know, he had a high success rate as a rusher. I think that those are attributes that an NFL coaching staff like Mike McCarthy's, I think that those attributes are going to appeal to them. And they are going to view Jamal Williams as their feature back and Aaron Jones as their explosive change of pace. How about speaking of running backs, NFC North Bears running back Tariq Cohen? Yeah, Tariq Cohen got off to a monster start last year. He had over 100 yards from scrimmage in two of his first three games. After that, the Bears coaching staff really struggled to pinpoint his optimal offensive usage. He was great on punt returns, um, and he returned kicks. But he had more than eight offensive touches just twice in the Bears' final ten games. Now, this offseason, Matt Nagy has raved about Tarek Cohen. Uh, At one point, even compared him to Tyree Kill. Uh, Loves the way that he runs routes. Uh, He talked about Tarek Cohen has great hands, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, and he said that he is that he called Tarek Cohen a player that you get quote unquote giddy about. Um, Tarek Cohen has also talked about how uh, at North Carolina A and T, so many of his touches came off of RPOs, run pass options. And Matt Nagy's 2017 Chiefs offense ran the highest percentage of RPO plays in the entire NFL. You know the the Eagles kind of made the RPOs famous to NFL fans but the Chiefs were doing it even at a higher rate than the Eagles were. Uh, And so that's an area of familiarity that Tarek Cohen will have after getting so many touches at North Carolina A&T off of the RPOs. He's a running back wide receiver hybrid, uh, and and he had 53 catches as a rookie. I think that he has big upside in PPR leagues. Now, not all these guys are going to hit from the Bears. Tarek Cohen, uh, Anthony Miller, Trey Burton. Uh, and that's why they're mid to late round draft selections because they're not high probability players necessarily. But I think that one or two can, and Tarek Cohen has just as good a chance as the other guys. How about we go to another running back in the NFC North? You love NFC North running backs. Carry on Johnson <laughs> from the Lions. Yeah, actually, Carry on Johnson is a guy that I'm kind of on the fence about. Uh, because of the competition that he's going to have to deal with 
in Detroit. Now we, we can, you know, t- take a step back and just think about what the, what the, what did the lions give up to get him? Because they gave up quite a bit. This is another team. The, the, um, the Patriots did business with um, the, the, the lions traded up to draft him at number 43. And the lions took him over Darius Geis, who I think that you know, I, I don't know a single evaluator that liked carry on Johnson better than Darius guy. So I think that that was probably due to some sort of off field issue, off field concern regarding Darius guys. But carry on Johnson is a solid prospect. He's, I think he's good in a lot. I think he's a Jack of many trades, maybe master of none. Good size, six, six foot two thirteen. He was a workhorse at, at, uh, at Auburn. He was the 2017 sec offensive player of the year, almost 16 hundred hundred yards from scrimmage, 20 touchdowns. Only caught 32 passes in three college seasons, but when I watched him play, I thought he looked plenty smooth in the passing game. Um, he ran 4-5-2 at Auburn's Pro Day, 63rd percentile spark athlete. So you know, not an elite athlete, but definitely above average. Uh, and that spark score was top 10 among running backs in this year's class. Um, his biggest concern is, but he's getting hit on two fronts because Theo Riddick, I don't think that they're going to pull him out of the offense because he's so good in, in the passing game. And the Garrett Blunt, you know, I don't think the team sign a guy like Garrett Blunt unless they're going to use him because he's so limited, he's so one-dimensional, but he's good at what he does. Uh, and I think that they're going to use him at the goal line and use him as that you know situational pounder. So my concern for on Johnson is that he – does get a pretty good workload and he exceeds 200 touches as a rookie, but he still doesn't provide a whole lot of fantasy value or like not big weekly big game potential because he's not going to be catching a ton of passes or scoring a lot of touchdowns. Um, So I think that he is an undervalued slash sleeper candidate, uh, but I'm still on the fence and I I'm excited to watch the lions in preseason to see First of all, to make sure that Kenny Galladay is out there running with the ones and he's not splitting time with T.J. Jones uh, because they did do that at, at times last year. I also want to see what tight end is, is getting the most first-team reps in preseason, whether it be Luke Wilson or or Michael Roberts or Levine Toilolo. Um, but I also want to see how the Lions use their RBs with the ones when Matthew Stafford is in there are we is is Carryon Johnson going to end up with more receiving and potentially red zone work than expected? That would really elevate him. Right now, I have him as a mid to late round fantasy pick. You also have Browns tight end David Njoku on the list. Not sure how I feel about that. That feels like it might be infringing upon my dude Seth the Valve. I know, man. And Seth the Valve, he had a good season uh, last year, and I think he deserves playing time in the offense. And, you know, if they're not going to give it to him, I wish that they would trade him somewhere like the Chargers. The Chargers would be a heck of a landing spot. Chargers or the Cowboys, please trade him somewhere. I I think he's good. I I really do. Um, But the Browns did use a first-round pick on David Njoku. The reports out of Cleveland have been that they're going to commit to David Njoku as the, the main tight end. Um, last year, Evan Ingram, you know, you look at the other first round tight ends, Evan Ingram played 72% of his team snaps. OJ Howard was up near 70% in the games that he played. He missed the final couple of games with an ankle injury and finished at 56%, but he was up near 70% in the games that he played. David Njoku was all the way down at, 
uh, 47% of Cleveland's offensive snaps. Um, he did do pretty well as a blocker. At least he got better as the season progressed. Uh, and he certainly showed field stretching ability in the seam. As you mentioned, Seth, the valve, he averaged 6.8 yards per target. Uh, David Njoku only averaged 6.4 yards per target. And I do think that Seth, the valve deserves a role. Uh, but the way that the Browns are talking and the way that the, the, the people who cover the team are talking, it sounds like Njoku is going to take over as a full-time guy. And that gives him breakout potential. Remember he was a, the uh, number 25 pick last year, 97th percentile athlete. Um, I think that you want Baker Mayfield to take over sooner rather than later. And I think that his passing skill set would mesh better with David Njoku than Tyrod Taylor's. I think that with Tyrod Taylor in the game, first of all, you're just not going to have as much passing volume. You know, you look at the offenses that Tyrod Taylor has quarterbacked in the NFL. We have three-year sample size. They finished 31st, 31st, and 32nd in the NFL in pass attempts. You're you're going to be a run-heavy team with Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback. Passing is not necessarily one of his strengths or like high volume, you know, high precision passing. That's not his strength. Um, but that can be a strength, I think, for Baker Mayfield, or at least it certainly was for him in college. So I think that for the, the fantasy values of Njoku, Jarvis Landry, uh, and maybe even Duke Johnson, you want Baker Mayfield in there. I do think that Josh Gordon is the one guy that can succeed uh, with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback. Finally, Cowboys wide receiver Alan Hearns. Everything I've been reading lately, Evan, says that he's the number one receiver, which is really interesting because, I mean, I don't know, in Jacksonville it felt like he was he was becoming like the third or fourth receiver at best. Yeah, yeah, he, and he was a slot receiver the last two years in Jacksonville. He, played, he ran 70 and 73% of his routes in the slot in 2016 and 2017. And the Cowboys are looking at him as their ex-receiver to replace Des Bryant. Um, now, it should be noted that in 2015, which was Alan Hearns' best year, he had 64 catches, over 1,000 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Easy to forget about that season. Uh, he ran 63% of his routes outside. Um, and the way that you know, I, I read a lot of practice reports on DallasCowboys.com, follow all their beat writers, etc., Alan Hearns has been moving around a lot. Uh, so I think that they want to use him the way that Alan Hearns was used during that 2015 breakout season in Jacksonville. Uh, his game speed via Josh Hermsmeyer and Next Gen Stats was really, really good last year, which might surprise some people, especially on the deeper routes. He didn't run a lot of them, but when he got to run them, he was running fast on those routes. Um, you know, Alan Hearns is not necessarily a sexy fantasy pick, but he's someone that, you know, the more that I've analyzed this team, the more that it's it's become clear what they want to do. He's going to lead this team in targets, uh, assuming he stays healthy. He has battled. He has missed 11 games with hamstring and ankle injuries the past two years. So staying healthy has been an obstacle for him. But if he's able to stay healthy, play 14 to 16 games, I think he's going to lead this team in targets and receiving. And he's a guy that you can get very, very late in drafts as well. Man, that was awesome. I knew it would be. You want to talk about value. Getting Evans undervalued and sleeper is awesome. Speaking of value, by the way, you know what is terrible value? 
those of you that are paying those ridiculous, ridiculous rates on your credit card. And I know there's a lot of you. Like, I, I've got buddies still. We're in our late 30s, and there's still buddies that have a bunch of credit card debt. Guys, you're smarter than that. A lot of you, especially if you're like in your mid-20s to late 30s, you're making enough money now that oh, you need to pay that thing off. And Lightstream is a company that rewards consumers who have good credit with a great interest rate and no fees. So you can get a credit card consolidation loan from 5.89% APR with AutoPay. So think about what you're paying, the rate you're paying on those credit cards. Wipe that out and then just have to pay 5.89%. That's saving a lot of money, dudes. I'm we don't talk about finances often, but I am not a debt guy at all. Hopefully, you guys can get out of it if you're in it. Uh, choose your funding date as soon as today. It's pretty awesome. You can go there. I was checking it out. And now, like, you don't even need to, like, it's not like a credit check or anything. You can just fill a couple things out real quick, boom, and it'll give you, like, a preliminary indication of here would be your rate and how much money they would give you. It's pretty awesome. Plus, it's backed by a real bank, which is nice. You know, some of these companies you never know. They've got a legitimate SunTrust bank behind them. It's the, it's the loaning arm of SunTrust Bank. So anyway, you guys can get an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. But the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash feast. Again, L I G H T. S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash feast. I know you guys are smart enough to know you should not be paying those crazy credit card interest rates. Get rid of that stuff. Lightstream.com slash feast. That'll do it, by the way, for a fantasy feast edition here on the RT Media Podcast Network. If you didn't check out Andrew Brandt yet on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast today. You should. He's got some funny stories from this time of year where sometimes NFL players can can get into uh, tough spots. So he had some funny stories about that, and we talked about some other things as well about this time of year. Anyway, um, yeah, you guys know the deal. Rate and review the show. That helps, as does it help when you guys – Make sure you're subscribed to this show and the other shows we have for you at RossTucker.com. And, of course, the retweets, the likes, that all helps as well. And we're already starting. Next week, we'll start to have people for the July draft against Evanai, the July MFL draft. So take advantage of that Lightstream deal or BetOnline.ag or everything else we got for you over at RossTucker.com. Other than that, that was a big, big show. I'm stuffed. That was a feast. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.